Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. This week, we are talking to Allie Briggs. Allie is an illustrator who made the switch to freelancing after spending the early part of her career in graphic design. Allie describes her graphic design career as comfortable and reliable and completely unstimulating. The lack of creative stimulation or personal challenge left her feeling trapped and unhappy. We talked to Allie about the revelations that led her to change career paths and what the process has been like. We talk about how she prepared herself both financially with savings and mentally by developing her knowledge of personal finances and business strategies by using freely available resources online. Once she felt prepared, she took the plunge and hasn't looked back. We also talk about the current state of social media for artists, what is and isn't working, and what artists can do when Instagram and other platforms just aren't delivering all their hopes and dreams. We also talk a good bit about her role as a teacher through private mentoring. And lastly, we have an honest conversation about the role of mental health for artists and how we can all support each other and work toward normalizing mental health issues. Now let's listen, and I hope you enjoy our talk with Allie Briggs. Thank you so much for being here. It's just us for now. Um, People will notice the conspicuous absence of one Moose Esquire, and uh, hopefully he'll join us later. Uh, He got roped into a family dinner for Mother's Day, Uh, but that means uh, that uh, because it ran late, he's not going to be able to be with us at the beginning. He may not make it at all. I I hope that we can get by without him. <laughs> I was so hoping for like Moose has like that that kind way of like berating the the guests just a little bit or kind of like adding that extra little bit of tension that I was I was so hoping for. So yeah, he keeps us honest for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, crippled as though as we may be, let's jump into it. Tell us about yourself. How. Did you get into art? What was the sparkly object at the bottom of the river that caught your attention? And how did the hook get sunk so that it would not let go? Trying to figure out how to do the the TLDR version, but... No, give us the super long uh, yeah. read in six volumes. But I'm still writing that last chapter, you know, like... It's like the new Game of Thrones book. It's just, it's not written yet, but it is, but it's not, but it's not released. Um, yeah, okay. So it feels so weird because most of the time it's like coming into the stream and I'll be like, all right, you know, this is what I do, but it's always what I do right now. I guess starting with art, uh, I've always been drawing ever since I was a little kid. I was always 
uh, into creating things or dinosaurs is something strange, but I always had like a pencil or a crayon or something in my hand. Uh, the real catch for like doing art though, wasn't until like 2017, maybe. So basically my life was sort of encouraged to like become an artist or like there was always like the little bit of the parents being like, Oh, well, you're, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll try and turn you into a prodigy so that we can just, you know, live off of your money. Um, which then evolved into going to a trade school and actually going and learning kind of graphic design. So the idea of moving through art was always sort of this relationship with being financially stable, which is why I say like my art, relationship didn't quite exist until like 2017 when I finally just had a heart to heart with myself and like what I was doing and digging into the stuff that I loved because I loved it and for no other reason than that. So the shiny rock at the bottom was more of a a very intimidating shark that I see in the distance and I was actually trying to swim away from it instead. So it wasn't like swimming towards something. It's like swimming away from this weird layer of expectation than this desire to just make money. And um, yeah, I kind of lost that, that little sparkle during, during college and during, um, like the post-career and like getting into the workforce and corporate stuff. And it wasn't until five years of that when I just, I, I was so sick and tired of trying to swim away from that shark that I got out of the river and I tried finding a new river or a new pond to go and swim in because I just couldn't stand it anymore. And then I was like, wait a minute, I love, I love swimming. I love this. Why? I mean, I understand why I got out of that one, but at least I finally found a new safe place to be in and just enjoy creating and diving into a little bit of, I guess, a connection from uh, something lost from my childhood and that weird expectation and, and goals that were sort of set for me and really digging back into the wonder and the whimsy and the adventure and just the, the fun of it. There's so much interesting stuff in there. Um, yeah, my brain's like going back and forth. Like there's just so much. <laughs> which is great uh i just i have to pick the the, the my favorite thread <laughs> Do it. of all of them um so it, it's always interesting to me when i hear about families that are actually like encouraging of somebody pursuing their artistic ambitions or pursuing ambitions that have that are reliant on like art art and creativity and stuff because mm. you know i mean more often than not it's the opposite where families are like you, you, you're gonna be poor you, you can't make a living doing that or just like no you're not going to do that not under my roof so that's always interesting to me um and it, so what was it was it just like the pressure of that expectation that you think was the like that laid the groundwork for you being pushed away or like pushed in different directions like what was it that like if you had like so much support and encouragement early on like what do you think it was that drove you off the path well i grew up poor like not a very wealthy family uh basically living in the woods and 
the more and more I think about, it, especially like recently, you know, the whole the traumas of the childhood. And as you get to like around 30, they all start kind of flooding back and you're like, oh, oh, that's okay. That's the reason why I do that. That's the reason why I do that. Um, so growing up, not like we didn't have any money. Uh, and I always make jokes about how when we lived in the woods, I literally survived off of like berries and nuts and things like in the woods. <laughs> um, entertainment was the woods because we didn't have TV back then. It was like Saturday cartoons, but it family was always like, get out of the house and go enjoy, you know, nature until sundown and we'll ring a bell and come back so that the coyotes don't eat you at night. Um, so I think the there's this weird separation between family wanting me to be happy, family seeing potential younger and wanting to uh, maybe not, I don't know if investing in it is the right way to describe it. Almost like the idea of they could be benefited by that. My mother was a very strange person. She kind of like saw, saw things a little bit differently in the world. Um, but also by growing up poor and not having a lot of stuff, I always felt obligated to be there or to help or to give and support like from like a young age, like from 12. Cause I had like a younger sister. I used to babysit her all the time, but it was always this idea of like, how do I bring value to the family? How do I help ease the pain of not having things? Um, and for, for a long time, that was always just sort of like my mental space. So that was where I, I was always pushed kind of in the direction of using the skill set that I enjoyed very young and training it to become a skill set that could provide money later on. Um, yeah, so that's in the short how it sort of turned into this interesting cycle of I have a skill, so I should be using this to help out others but never help myself or make money or prevent myself from falling into those same um dugout holes but later on coming to realize it was literally we didn't have to be poor like a lot of things like parents making bad decisions so it's more of just like me as a kid going oh how do i help out mom and dad it's like well mom and dad need to go and learn how to like figure out what to do with their money and not like dump it on the drain and all the other stuff i'm just saying so yeah, so that's, I guess that's where it, it, the relationship of art definitely was more of a, a financial stability and it pushed me in that direction just because of the way I grew up and the way I saw life or what we did or didn't have. And it stuck with me for a very long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's saying, it seems kind of like, uh, this, it, the same effect as if your mother was like, no, you have to go be a lawyer. You have to go be a doctor to make a lot of money to take care of the yeah. family. Uh, but instead it was like, well, you just, it, it's so what's interesting. So you make pretty pictures and I want you to make better pretty pictures so I can sell them and I can have money. Yeah. What's, so what's interesting about that is that it, it seems like the, what does people in is it's the, that expectation of like, you need to take care of us, you know, rather than like the explicit, uh, context that that's going to happen and it, oh, it doesn't matter what you're doing it's just like you better just like take care of us and make some money <laughs> right so that's yeah, the it, thing it, that and it's always just yeah it, like you said it, just, it could be everything it could be 
any job. It's just that expectation of providing later on with something that you have. So this this effect carried you all the way up until one what point? I, I know from your bio that you did go to art school, so it carried you up at least until there. Uh, College. Yeah. So tell me about that, the college experience and afterwards. So I, I attended RISD in 2009. And originally, I went to school for graphic design. And I mean, hands down, I, I don't think anybody can argue against this. Graphic design jobs pay very well. I think that was something that was up in, uh, in Leisha's episode as well. And I had... Um, I had that mentality of, okay, I need to not be a starving artist. I need to be able to help out family. It was this weird, the same expectations and uh, the idea of having value in myself by providing that value to others, which still lingers every now and then. But uh, so the way RISD has their schedule set up, so you go in for freshman year, like most art colleges, you kind of go through a foundation of uh, drawing 2D design and 3D design to sort of just become more conceptually aware and challenge how you think. And during their winter session, because it's like a weird tri-semester, they have fall, winter, and spring. They allow you to take uh, other classes like in different uh, fields so that way you can sort of explore and experiment and kind of like enjoy having fun, uh, learning something new. So my brain, still in this weird analytical, I need to be doing a thing robot mode, was saying how I should go and just take those classes I know I'm already going to need so I don't have to like work myself as hard in the last year. So I took graphic design classes. And that was kind of like a breaking moment where I I just realized I, I didn't enjoy it and I was putting myself through college by myself. So the thought of paying for misery was it was like astronomically just present in front of me like a hammer being thrown at my head and i just looked at all the work that i did i i had drawings and typography and a bunch of different things and i just hated it all i just hated everything so much like this apathetic sort of distance hate and then i switched to illustration I was like, I need pretty pictures. I need to draw. And I've been seeing like what other people are creating and the foundations for the first year was sort of that way of reintroducing that there are multiple ways to complete work as far as drawing in 3D or painting. And yeah, I just took a leap away from being okay. I, th- I think that's how my brain was always wired was I need to be okay. And okay in my mind was being stable, not needing to rely on others and not needing to worry about how to pay bills or, you know, am I going to eat dinner tonight? Or, you know, will I have a car to help me get to my job? Stuff like that. So that was the first leap away into unknown territory because I had I had no clue about the illustration field, nothing. I, I think at the time my brain was... Uh, I'm trying to think what was high school mentality because it's still still there. Children's books and graphic novels, like manga. And I think that was it. That was where my brain was. 
So I was like, all right, cool. We're going to go and we're going to start learning how to do this so I can do children's books. Because otherwise I have no clue what else I'm doing. Yeah. Well, that got you through college then, like with sort of this idea like you were going to come out the other end of it and start doing children's books. And then, yeah. so, and, and you graduated and you had a, you, you got a BFA, right? In, yeah, BFA, in illustration. illustration. But then you didn't, you didn't do that. <laughs> no. Then, and then so, I, I, you know, it was five years of working in a graphic design field because there was nothing else available. So it was still that mentality of, oh, I need to be safe. So that sort of took over your working career then is, is graphic design and. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I had done like a couple of, like, I've always done like random things. It's always been a survival mode of, I just need something, but, uh, I've had some pretty cool opportunities. I think one door that was opened up because of RISD was Hasbro. So I had, uh, worked with them, uh, through a temp agency as a toy painter. Uh, and then I returned to them a couple of years to do a lot of other temp work, but it was always the, the temp cycle. It was one year on six months break, one year on six months break. Um, which then forced me to kind of do other stuff, like learning how to um, fill in those holes or pick up different contract stuff or doing a couple of freelance positions um, and teaching. There, so there was teaching early on, even that was something that was like part of your, your career yeah. early on. I want to say around like, I think 2015 was when I started picking up a few classes here and there and I would start teaching. Um, I was teaching young students, like between the ages of like eight and 12. So it was always like how to draw comics, how to do, how to use Photoshop, which if anyone has ever tried to teach a 10 year old how to use Photoshop, it is by far the, the, the worst circle of hell. <laughs> I can't I can't imagine why I mean it's so huh. easy to teach adults how to use Photoshop yeah, totally and imagine now just everyone wants to go outside and just run around in grass and scuff up their knees and have fun and sit them in a chair and go you should you should try and lasso this duck out of this image and then change the color and they're like what so uh, then at what point in the relatively stable comfortable graphic design career did you hit a point where you had to for your own well-being had to confront the fact that this is not what you were going to be able to do long term and you were instead going to plunge into uh, a freelance career yeah <laughs> freelance um it was 2017 it was the the end of 2017 in november and during this time you know i've, I've jumped around to a lot of different companies i finally just got to a company that it went from temp to perm so i now have a permanent job it was salaried um i was making fifty-one thousand a year i think that was what the number was and which is like Great, you know, survivable, you can live off it, you can pay your bills and student loans. But uh, there was a point where I was coming home very angry all the time. I And I couldn't quite figure out what it was. And I, for the longest time, until doing freelance and working by myself, I didn't really have like that emotional connection 
to who I was or like anything about emotions. I was very much a robot. Like survival mechanics were in need to do this. But yeah, I was coming home mad. And I couldn't understand why I was frustrated and upset and I was angry all the time. It would take the full hour drive going home to calm down and just not be so... I guess raw would probably be a good way to describe it. It's hard to express without having like just... But there was a point where that started becoming the norm. And I realized it was just not healthy. I I felt sick all the time or tired or uh, apathetic toward just waking up the next day to go to work. Like my brain was literally in this space where uh, we would just be like, like it's Thursday, Thursday, great. Tomorrow's Friday, which go out and go and have food or have like, you know, a drink and go hang out with friends. But instead of being in that state of like, yes, we're over the week hump, I can take a break and relax. My brain was already thinking about Monday coming back. And just the idea of like the weekend was already gone in my mind. It was gone because I had to return to that space. So yeah, uh, through a lot of different things. And and if anyone's ever been in like the corporate environment, uh, um, when you're just a woman competing with a lot of men who all think they know exactly what they're talking about. Sometimes they just don't do their own job and it conflicts with literally everything, like the whole process. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Hashtag not all men, Allie. <sighs> you haven't worked with the ones I worked with. Look, look, I'm just saying that some of the people that I worked with didn't believe in dinosaurs. So you're right. You're right. Wait, hold that. Took a couple seconds to sink. <laughs> Can we have a tangent on that real quick? With the dinosaurs? Yeah, what? They didn't believe in dinosaurs? No, no. Um, my my boss was a very strange individual. And he he he's one of those people that would go to work and would just play Call of Duty on his computer but not get in trouble for it. But he'd yell at everybody else for doing... Like, I would draw during lunchtime. So I would always get, like, nagged all the time for sitting at my computer, eating lunch. And on my lunch break, doodling in a sketchbook or using Photoshop because I had an hour to to chill out. Um, there was a day where I was heading out for lunch and my partner also worked in the same company with me at the time. We were in the kitchen area and the manager had talked to somebody about something. It was so weird. He'd always just like show up and just throw the information in your face and just expect a, a, an answer. So he just walks into the, to the kitchen. He's like, my God, I just heard this thing about like dinosaurs and dragons and all of like, I forget he said one other thing. And he just looked at my partner and was like, do you believe in those things? My partner's like, dinosaurs? Yeah. What? <laughs> and he just like walks out slowly, like just dismissing himself. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of this. So yeah, my manager, <laughs> pretty much my manager was a weird one where uh, I don't know if he was heavily religious, but he, he thought dinosaurs and dragons were the same thing and that they didn't exist. He probably also thought a lot of things were were fake because he was a weird conspiracy theorist. But because yeah. I because I've heard theories about Jesus and dinosaurs, which we won't get into. Okay, but not, but not though, just, that sounds fun. <laughs> but not just that like dinosaurs didn't exist. Anyway, uh, coming back to like the the corporate experience and you know what you were saying about the the weekend. You, 
you got, you know, a lot of resonance in chat on that one. Um, and it's like, it's strange how much it kind of resembles an abusive relationship, you know, cause Kinda, yeah. you're, you, it's your eat. You, yeah. And in so many ways, um, so yeah, you're, you're angry. That's, um, I imagine that that's shocking to you. Like you were saying, you have this sort of like robotic, uh, mechanistic, um, way about sort of interacting with the world. And then you're like realizing, wait, like one of the most predominant emotions that I'm experiencing is anger. Let me pay attention. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's reassuring that you were at least had the kind of self-awareness. Okay. Now I have to pay attention to this. And so like what I breathe air, I'm human. Yeah. Air is nice. Yeah. And so, I mean, was it just like a breaking point where you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing the stuff that I want to. And then how did you figure out like, okay, well, what is it that I wanted to do? What is it going to look like when I'm not doing this abusive corporate graphic design career anymore? I'm going to start doing what? Any, anything else. It was so uh, hindsight is whatever, you know, we know that saying, um, it's easier to look back on things and be like, man, I wish I did this, or I wish I did that, uh, to sort of set myself up and be able to, uh, kind of like lay down the groundwork for something later on and, and keep it stable and, you know, let it go on its own. Like the whole process of being an adult is hard. At the time I was just impatient and impulsive and the, the final draw, like the final straw that was drawn was when I went on a, uh, I used my vacation to go down to Pennsylvania to go to IlexCon. And I hadn't gone to IlexCon in, I forget the time I went before, maybe like 2015 or 13. I know there's always like a couple of years in between. I don't go every year. Um, but when I had gone down before, it was more of like getting introduced into the world and sort of like being a student and trying to understand the world. And this time when I went down, like I knew more of the people. Uh, Lars Grant West was one of my teachers back at RISD. He was the one that actually introduced me to IlexCon and said, oh, hey, we should go and see this place because it was cool. And 100% yeah it's really cool um being surrounded by a bunch of like-minded nerdy people into fantasies and, and dragons and naked ladies yeah <laughs> so after my vacation once I came back from that I think it was sort of like this the amount of energy that had just grown from being around that community and being around people who were passionate about like-minded subjects and feeling like they knew what they were doing or talking to some people who were like, I have no clue what I'm doing gave me the inspiration to be able to say, I'm just going to take a leap. Um, I might not have a parachute completely sewn together. There's probably a few holes in it, but I think it's going to help me get to the ground. So I just jumped. I looked at my finances. I looked to see what I could possibly do. I had talked to my partner about it and had like the full conversation of like what could be done and being, uh, how old am I now? So 27 was still like the idea of being young. Like I could always get back into the workforce or try and find work again. 
uh, especially if it was like, oh, I can't do illustration. I can always fall back on graphic design. As a production artist and a graphic designer, a lot of the processes are very similar. And it's just learning sort of the style guides and the nuances of individual companies. Um, because when you're starting off too, you don't have any like decision-making. The decision-making is always made by like the senior position and you're sort of doing like the grunt work and kind of completing the, the assignments so that way they can push it out to production. But yeah, I, I came back from Iluxcon and looked at everything and had a full on sit down. And I think I had a, a nest egg of maybe 20,000 in my bank account. And I said, I'm jumping. And I just, I jumped very quickly. <laughs> I came literally the next day. I was like, two weeks is in, I'm done with this place. Bye. <sighs> That's exciting. And I have a follow-up question to that. I've gotten the message from Moose that he's ready to jump in. So I'm going to do a little bit of fiddling. I will okay. edit all of this out. Um, but let me uh, get Moose in the call here. Moose, whenever you're ready, just jump in and I'll start arranging the things. On the fly editing here. Hello. Hello, sir. There we go. Sorry about that. Uh, Mother's Day. I and I had to do my best not to remind them of the uh, the timing issue because I was like, I don't want to ruin her Mother's Day over this. So yeah. I know the feeling. All right. Looks like all the names are riled up in the right way. That is a miraculous little perk that. <laughs> never would have guessed happening um moose welcome back uh do you have any questions so far i don't know if you've been able to be listening to anything do you have anything that you wanted to uh ask immediately uh no i uh, was gotten back in the middle of the introduction stuff so i'm ready to jump in now with the next question whatever that happened to be okay cool now we're doing the scooby-doo diddly 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 um <laughs> uh, yeah so you jumped right in um put in, put in your two weeks notice you were ready to come out guns blazing um pretty much like to think of it like a the the image in my head was always like uh imagine that every little person as we're walking along like everybody in the world has like a little flame above their head it's like a little flickering flame so the more energy you have, like the bigger the flame is. And the idea is like, you're just like, when you're inspired, you're just motivated and ready to take over the world. There's like this bonfire, you're just on fire walking around and it can either intimidate everybody that's seeing you or it can inspire others as well. And sometimes they can, they can borrow some of that flame to grow their own little, their own little flicker and just kind of move on with stuff. Yeah. One of the things that I had imagined talking about um, was the conflict that a lot of artists feel you know, between um, art as a passion and a creative outlet and art as a means of making a living. Um, oh, a thing uh, I have daily, yeah. Yeah, a, a responsibility. So uh, that's that's always an interesting concept because it comes up so much, but it also seems like you kind of not 
circumvented that because you just mentioned like you 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 do deal with that. But when you're in this position where it's fight or flight, you can also get a lot of momentum to sort of burn past that. Am I am I correct that you you were it was a yeah. lot easier for you? But where are you at with that now? Does that still it's like that, that's still something that you have to contend with? I think more so now um, than before. Like the idea of just like jumping into something, like you've you've made the decision. You're you know kind of like the same metaphor from before. You've already jumped out of the plane. You kind of have to deal with what's happening and uh, get yourself to the ground safely. But as you get closer to the ground or once you've landed, it's like, okay, so what's next? That next goal. Um, yeah, I would say I still deal with that quite a bit as far as like the balance between enjoying something and having it be an income and a job at the same time. But also I've, I've found different ways of just, I don't want to say like, well, no, yeah, powering through, I guess. It's the idea of, working on personal stuff, giving myself time uh, when I realize that I'm burnt out or just kind of taking a break away from things and seeing what needs to be changed, like just being sort of attentive and understanding of what can be done and what needs to be done. Um, In the beginning though, like as far as that sense of maybe urgency or just like that nervousness of trying to like like get get past like the barrier uh i had like a a what i want to say like a solid year though that i gave myself to sort of learn things which was hard and that's that's when i started doing twitch was in the beginning of 2018 and the goal was to just start doing this thing and start relearning and becoming more familiar with who i was now or who i wanted to be without the pressure of anybody else, which then also comes with all the work. Cause then you're like, all right, now I have to try and impress everybody with all the work I'm doing, but I'm still learning it. So it's this weird back and forth of just being, trying to be positively aware of how things are and how to best work with them. I don't know. It's kind of a, I feel like I'm trailing off into a different direction, but maybe, maybe I answered something in there. No, I would say definitely. Um, it makes me wonder though when you mention you were going to kind of just take a year to be in education mode um making a leap from a steady income stream i guess a steady corporate gig into freelance like completely independent um there's a lot of there's a lot of a, there's a huge learning curve that's going to go into just like the personal like finances and bookkeeping and taxes yeah. and was that part of that educational experience as well leading yep. up to that what kind of resources did you rely on because you didn't go back to school you didn't start taking like business night courses right no. or, so what kind of resources were you using to familiarize yourself with those tools so as far as figuring out like the the basic needs internet 100% I would you know especially around tax season which if you haven't done them don't forget to do them um like me just learning what to collect and what to gather and it's a whole different it's a different vocabulary you have to learn so much and so many of like these little nuanced things I did have a uh, a CPA that I was doing my taxes from before 
and I was able to communicate with them and kind of ask them questions and discuss a little bit, but I honestly should probably use that resource a lot more. I don't like to, I don't know why I always feel like I'm not, how would I describe it? Freeloading? <laughs> yeah, not freeloading um, or not being responsible enough. Like it, it, it's like this weird step of like, I should know this. I should already know what I need to do. I should be able to figure this out without needing to kind of lean on someone all the time. So a lot of times I would take what I've learned or use that as like a jumping point to kind of do research, find things online, find articles and, uh, you know, write everything down. I've got so many notes scrawled across like different pages of sketchbooks from years um, and just experience, just learning through experience and usually learning from what I didn't do and then applying it to the year later. So a lot of times it's like, whoops, I might owe Uncle Sam a little bit more money this year um, compared to like the previous year or, I, yeah. I have uh, heard um, the advice of whenever you are given a payment, take 30% of that and put it into a unique bank account that's only for tax purposes. And you know you're never going to spend that money except for on taxes. And you know you should do it. And then you just sit there and you're like, oh, I know I should do this. But I still, when you still haven't done it, and you're like, no time like the present. Very true, which is why I'm so, writing a sticky note. So uh, what phrases would you suggest people Google in order to find more information about this? Because sometimes when you're like, I don't know what I don't know, so I don't know what questions to ask, Google for the answers. What, uh, what phrases? I mean, so there's things out there like TurboTax. There's online resources that already sort of provide what you need for taxes. It's a little bit trickier when you're doing freelance just because there's so much. Um, so what I've got, like a lot of stuff that I've gathered, it's it's been through some sort of like art blog or another individual talking about their experience and then learning from the mistakes that they've made to hopefully not do them myself. So like, I think Muddy Colors occasionally has stuff on finances as well on top of like, you know, interviews and uh, like art techniques um self self-employment would be a big one like how to be self-employed <laughs> but every state's different too so that's the thing oh, yeah. so it's like now yeah. you have to keep track of which taxes are coming through which state uh and keeping receipts but if you have a friend that's in your state that's also an artist like steve nigerian you could go to him and say yeah. hey buddy how do you tax how do tax honestly like the internet only gives you like half of the information. And like you said, like just finding out those right words to search for is like what you need. Having a community or talking to people is definitely like word of mouth is so much stronger. Being able to converse with someone and kind of like just put ideas out there. Um, just having that ability to converse, you can get so much back so that you can take that and then go and do research. But I would say like, the reason why I brought up like TurboTax is because they usually have a lot of the information that's kind of like laid out for everyone. And you just have to like click on the right like buttons to kind of go through and read everything, almost like a moving checklist. It'll be like, this is the stuff you need if you're doing it this way. This is the stuff you need if you're doing it this way. Um, I don't know how much of that is still available because I know it changes a lot. Uh, and then also actually the Graphic Artist Guild Handbook 
has a lot of information in there, not specifically like on taxes, but there'll be like little snippets of things in there, like how, like saving money for, you know, putting 30% aside so that you don't have to worry about taxes later on or how to like do your contracts. So definitely a good resource for that too. Also um, be up on the latest tax laws, like uh, the earned income tax credit. Evidently that went way up this, this last year. Uh, I don't know the specifics because I don't have to deal with this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and looking to the future, uh, there was some mention that they might set the federal income tax level to 0% for people that are making under $75,000. I don't know if that's going to come to come to fruition, but keep on it, up on it. Cause say, that, say that again, the federal income tax would drop to zero for less than 75 K. That's the headline. That's too good it, to be true. What actually comes out of it. We'll see. Well, so the thing too, like, so the community is a big thing when you're talking to just stuff, because you never know what's going on until you like hear a little snippet like that and you start digging into it. Um, so I had done a couple of like conventions on the side when I was at my corporate job. I think I did one in like 2013 and then maybe one in 2016. I can't remember the, the dates completely, but there was a guy who was walking around while all the artists and artist alley were setting up. And because the convention was in Rhode Island, he was just reminding people, he's like, hey, just so you know, in case is the first time you've been to Rhode Island and you're selling here, uh, if you have original art or exclusive prints that are signed and limited or any other sort of merchandise that is not a, uh, a reproduction, basically. So if it's like, uh, if you have a book set of 100, but you're only doing that limited um, like run of those 100 prints, you can sell them without taxes. You don't have to worry about claiming taxes on those at all. Now it's like, ooh. So I'm not gonna lie, there's definitely been some situations like that that have been really helpful, just being in the right place at the right time to overhear something. Um, yeah. It's, uh, go ahead. No, sorry, I was just gonna mention that uh, Autumn in the chat, he also mentioned entrepreneur or entrepreneurship uh in addition to um self-employment like in going back to the idea of like what you're mm -hmm. going to be searching uh or researching for more searching <laughs> um yeah entrepreneurship uh because he says there's a large difference between self-employment and having an entrepreneurial mindset and that's definitely true and when you're self-employed an entrepreneurial mindset is, I mean, well, I don't want to say like a must have, cause I mean, who knows what you can get away with, you know, without that. But I always kind of think of the two, not as like, um, synonymous, but, uh, um, like one comes from the other, you know, I almost kind of feel like you're like being self-employed almost sort of like mandates a certain amount of entrepreneurial ability, but zeroing in on that kind of like make the making the discipline focus to um research what it means to be an entrepreneur what it means to be you know to sort of like innovate new financial structures for just for yourself um yeah. is and it definitely depends on beneficial what path you take too because there's uh you know you be a individual sole proprietor or you can go with an LLC or um, I think those are the two major ones. If, if you can go higher than that, then uh, you don't need to worry about finances. Your finances are all set if you could be a, an S-class corporation or a C-class corporation. Like you've got someone either working for you or you know what you're doing. Um, but like the little laws of 
taxes also change depending on what you classify yourself as and and how the government sees you. It's not even like what you classify yourself as. It's like how you've defined yourself to the government. I'm a meat popsicle. I mean, I, I personally, I plan on being the Elon Musk of the the art world, the freelance art world at some point. Um, but Inherit uh, everything and then just go on SNL. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of where you're at now, Allie, um, are you strictly freelance now or do you split your time uh, amongst various projects? Like what is your sort of, what are your income streams, the diversity of your income streams look like now? So I'm mostly freelance. Uh, I was teaching and I still picked up a couple of teaching gigs in between like last year. I was supposed to teach two classes this year, but something fell through. I've, I honestly have no clue. Uh, I do like, like teaching is like sort of a, it's like breathing. I enjoy doing it. It's fun to to watch other people get that little sparkle in their eye when they realize something is like how it, like just the little the little wires connect and then it's like, oh, that's the reason why that works that way. And you're like, yes. Um, I still do like mentorships through Patreon, but it, as far as like teaching at uh, continuing education for colleges, uh, I still have no idea what happened with that. It was sort of a weird ghosting situation, which if anyone has ever been ghosted before, you you probably know the emotions of being frustrated and annoyed, but also like, what did I, what did I do? What, what happened? Did I talk about how I don't like college as much? Did someone hear this? And then all of a sudden they're like, nah, we don't want to give you this job. We're going to give it to somebody else. I found that with ghosting, it's always nine times out of 10, it's because of something completely unrelated to you that happened. Mm. And it just so happened that they were like, we don't want to deal with this person now anymore because something else happened let's let's talk more about this specifically because i actually i don't know if we've covered it too much on this podcast and it, it it i think it is worth talking about especially just from the mental health standpoint uh what somebody explain exactly like what getting ghosted when it comes to a freelancing career what exactly is getting ghosted so for me and maybe there's some urban dictionary definition that should be more accurate but for me ghosting is when you have a good line of communication between you and another individual or individuals and then all of a sudden it just stops there is no there's no email that you've received that says hey i don't want to work with you there's no uh text that says hey i hate your face um bye there's there's nothing it's just sort of this gap or space that has been put between you and whoever the individual or individuals are and there's no explanation for it it's like a really bad breakup and then your partner doesn't didn't tell you why they you didn't want to be together and you're just like you could you could tell me i can handle this please please because leaving it blank with nothing there is worse there's no love scene with whoopi goldberg scene with whoopi goldberg wait what movie Oh, oh have you not seen the movie ghost Oh, wait, yes. not in that scene, though. You mean with Patrick yes, she Swayze. is. She, Patrick Patrick Swayze takes over her body, and there's like this there's like this transit transitionary moment where it's Demi Moore and Whoopi Goldberg that are about to start making out, and then it switches to yeah, Patrick Swayze. Right <laughs> That's why I didn't. I only saw the Patrick Swayze part because I've never actually uh, watched the movie. But anyway, going back to the actual point of ghosting. So uh, sorry. It's, it's much more common with. Um, commissions right where yeah. the client will reach out to you and say 
hey, what's your, how much does it cost to get a character from you? And then you say, my rate started at $100 and go up to $500 and then go up more, more from there if you want to let me do more stuff. And then instead of them saying, oh, sorry, that's outside my budget. I was expecting to pay $5. You know, instead of doing that, they'll just say, nothing. Just, yeah. Exhibit, nothing. And I, I have a feeling it's definitely one of those things where when it comes to like people who are looking for commissions, it's a little bit more of a walking into the conversation with expectations but those expectations aren't met so they don't quite know how to um just sort of push away without feeling like they're being rude or intrusive um and for a couple of different reasons because it could be like they don't want to feel like they're dumb or they don't want to make you feel dumb and every client's a little bit different for corporations and for like bigger structures that's the one I still don't quite understand, but I think you're you're 100% right. It's usually just things that they have no control over and people are still people when they work in big jobs. It's just kind of become a cog in a machine and they can't move against the machine. With uh, art directors, I can understand it to some degree because they have so many people they have to reach out to or that reach out to them saying, hey, can you do a portfolio review or hey, can mm. you look at my work and see if I'm good for you, the job. Um, but with individual clients, it's like 90% of the people that reach out to a professional artist to get a commission done are going to ghost just because they weren't expecting it to be, it's a price shock for them to what reality is for the artist's time. Yeah. So there's two different reasons. One corporate, they don't have the time to say, uh, just respond to the artist. Uh, if the artist had reached out to them, similarly with the, uh, clients, they don't have the, knowledge bank of how to react like as you're saying to uh i thought that commissions were cheap because i see these five dollar fifteen dollar price sheets out there and they don't see the huge difference between somebody who's been uh, working in the industry for one year versus five ten fifteen years so yep. it's just ignorance but that's different, fine different expectations that's why you try to i don't know it's like walking into a fruit store expecting to get fruit and it's just like just tomatoes like well yes it's a fruit store but that's not the same thing and in all yeah and in all cases it's like really important to not take it personally um one of the i i heard a uh it was in regards to social media and likes you know and when your 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 heartfelt expressions don't get very many likes um i heard a, an explanation or a um, a way to think about that, which is that the the most that you can assume is indifference. It's not that somebody is like just actively disliking, like they're like pointing their finger at the like button and then moving it off because they're like, I do not like this. It's if nothing else, it can only be thought of as indifference. Whereas like, uh, it, this is never like eliminating the algorithm thing. Let's not even talk about that. This is actually yeah, people it. that are, this is actually people that are seeing it. So kind of in the same sense, it's, it's, it's not that somebody is actively disliking you. Like if they don't respond to your email or, you know, they, they, you, you don't get the job or whatever. It's, it makes much more just like logical sense to think of it just as a, um as a as an indifference there is no emotion attached to it you know so yep it's just take, a, a yeah, transaction pretty much 
and not everybody can, you know, not everybody wants to pay a specific level for that transaction or, you know, other things will pop up or there's so many things. Uh, and again, like corporate side's different because it could literally be that someone's boss went down to the director for, you know, say certain courses and they went, well, I know this person who is really good and they aren't, you know, they don't have a job right now and they're friends with the family and all this other stuff and you should give them a job. Sometimes that can happen too. Or people get fired and new people are put into that position. So all of those same connections are now gone, right? So the middleman has been removed and you could easily just be ghosted because the person doesn't work there anymore and they don't have that email access. Or it's 20, it was 2020, now 2021. The person got a bat in COVID and died. And then... Uh... Yeah. So it's, there's Ouch. so many things. I've had that. I still, I still have uh, an invoice in my PayPal that I have sat on for so long because uh, in a lot of my contracts, basically it's, all right, if the client cancels it, well, they're responsible and they lose whatever they've already paid for that first half. That's on them. If I cancel it, that's a refund. So I'm stuck in this boat where I've been every now and then, like, I think once a year now, because it's like three or four years old, uh, I email just to see if anybody's going to reach back out. And if I don't get a response, I just let the invoice sort of sit in my box because I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but they may have passed away. And I thought about that. I'm just like, huh, what do I do? <laughs> That's happened to uh, Steve Sketches a number of times. Um, three on, two or three on his current commission list are on hold because he doesn't he doesn't have all the information he needs to complete the commission and he, he's not getting a response. And in the past he's had one where he finished the commission and never got a response from the client. It was a good picture. So he doesn't think that they didn't like it, but then it just, it took forever until eventually like three years later, they did pay it. So who nice. knows? <laughs> yeah. The, the fun parts of freelance where you're just like trying not to read into things too much, but then you also think, Oh, maybe I should be into this more because maybe something's going on. So we, so we went down a little side road of ghosting, um, which was definitely worth it. But to kind of circle back, uh, you were talking about your a variety of revenue streams. You, you have freelancing. You are doing. You're still doing a little bit of mentoring. Uh, did we cover it all, or do you still do you have other things, or do you have plans for other things? Right now. Uh... I was really hoping that conventions would come back, um, but it's one of those things where it needs to be like 100% safe for everybody because there's still plenty of people who are not complying to just not being a jerk. You, like the safety requirements of another individual or also they are there and at a convention when there's like hundreds of thousands of people, it's like you can't be, it can't be guaranteed. So I would love for them to come back and I would love to do them more when it's safe. <laughs> Yeah, it has to be like an outdoor convention at this point right now, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's the only way of being able to at least secure fresh air and just have a hand sanitizer and just spray everybody. Just... <laughs> um, so you mentioned that education is a passion of yours. Uh, have you considered either Skillshare or doing uh, online courses, live courses? I'm going gonna to give you some dagger eyes just, real, just a little bit. But yes, <laughs> um, the biggest thing was so I, I want to do Skillshare. I wanted to set up something for my website. I've now actually purchased my 
domain name and Weebly now functions as like a real site where I can host things and sell stuff and have a functioning shop. So with that already sort of set up, I do want to start creating a, a different type of way of learning. I still want to have stuff for free. So that's the big thing with me. Like I love teaching, but I love teaching for the, just the sake of teaching, like giving somebody that ability to take that information and go off with it and, and learn on their own. Um, so it's a, it's a hard bag to sort of juggle because I'm always aware of how expensive colleges are and the situation that I've put myself in and many other people who go into higher education that have, you know, who maybe not have been as fortunate to have parents pay for them, you know, what they still need to do with like pay off loans and manage their career and their life on top of these debts. So I try to be consciously aware of giving something to help those and separate it from the disparity of that environment. But I also know that I need to eat food and that it is a skill set that I have that can help others if they choose to put more into it and they want to get like a lot more out of it. So I, I guess the answer is yes, I want to do that, but I still need to figure out how to do it that feels right in a way. I think the best course I can suggest for that would be YouTube. Have YouTube shorts and say like, this is an exercise you can do to improve your skill in this. Mm. Have it just be a very short video and just have that be a series of videos on that. And then you can also stream these on Twitch. So they're also free. So creating the content live, then you're doing some very light editing on a very short segment to put it onto YouTube short of like 30 to 50 seconds, something like that. And pump those out and say, hey, if you want more hands-on stuff, I do offer mentorships. And if you're having a course coming up, say you have a course coming up on perspective, you know? Yeah, that's actually a really good way of looking at it. Because uh, uh, for Wednesdays on Twitch, because I stream here, I try to have that be like a day to give back to everybody else. So if people who are subbed will get priority on critiques. Um, and if nobody is like there and available want stuff done that it's like opened up to the public but i'm also doing like little mini lectures and lessons just a lot of uh kind of like an accumulation of bits of everything from foundation drawing to understanding how to draw texture or just being able to understand like a different uh technique or method and a lot of times too like if it's stuff that i don't remember then i'm also learning like simultaneously with everybody or like refreshing myself so it's like a great way to like force myself to practice too but yes something something moose it's especially with this wonderful new place there's all this room for streaming and for recording and the it's bigger i'm excited and uh if i'm not mistaken you are also at least uh, acquaintances with uh, justin donaldson yeah. So he seems like he would be a really good source to uh, reach out to in regard to more specific information that, you know, we haven't gone over on this podcast before or I don't have access to. I have thought about taking some of his classes, just to even see like how he has it set up. Cause that's such a different, it's such a different territory when you start going into like Patreon, it's like, well, how do you get everything prepped and ready for say a, a one-time lesson or is it a subscription based and just like understanding how to create that flow is like a big important part as far as offering these types of uh, educational videos or uh, live streams so that 
more people can see it, but also it's just easy because human beings, we all know it. We are all lazy and ingenuity comes from being lazy, but also we are lazy <laughs> and no one likes to click multiple buttons to get to one thing. I think with um, the ongoing Patreon thing compared to the established course at time per week thing, uh, the difference is with a the ongoing Patreon, it's interactive. Like it's continuous inter interactive personalized uh, education. Whereas mm -hmm. with a course, it's I'm going to teach you X, Y, and Z in this order at this time of week, at this time of night, every day for the, the duration of the course. At the end, you'll go from having this to this if you stick with it, right? But yeah. if you are doing a Patreon or whatever, then it's like, I'll help you where you are to try to get to where you want to go. Yeah. And that's the, that's the one that I've done where it's, it's sort of like working with someone over a course of time, but there's no end goal. The end goal is always left to the, the patron to kind of decide, all right, I'm good. Um, but that also, that can bring up a bunch of different other issues too, when you're like, well, I don't know how I can help you anymore. And then trying to have that conversation to end the mentorship. Cause the one thing that I think a lot of, as far as teaching, like you can teach a lot of people who are really good at teaching can teach, but sometimes students aren't in that mental position to learn. There's a different, everyone learns differently, but there's a different um, mentality when it comes to learning, like actively being ready to learn or wanting somebody to at least guide them or help them, but they're not quite ready to absorb everything and apply it. So right teachers need to be with the right students or the information will never go from point A to point B. This is why in that giant Twitter thread I put out last week, mm -hmm. um, it was everybody's our journey is different. This is some stuff that generally helps people. And if you have trouble with this, then you can always find somebody that learned different from this and see what worked for them and see if it works for you. But no matter what, pretty much, it's amount, it's effort, right? You have to put in the effort in order to yes. get any kind of growth in this. And some people just want the right brush pack to be able to paint like Ali Briggs or like Joby Dore. And that person was me, but that was me five years ago before I uh, you know, was willing to pay any money. So that's a different story. Basic round brush. <laughs> Everyone hates that answer, but you know what? You can do a lot with a basic round brush or a basic square brush. But there's so many brush packs that I have to buy, Ali. Please don't kill all of my hopes and dreams <laughs> i want to uh, we're gonna do more in the uh, the mentoring soon but I, I wanted to ask a couple more things with the freelancing mm. how to get gigs this is a thing that another thing that people confront um you know especially if they're going to be like starting out how have you gone about putting yourself out there and finding people that you want to work with hmm all right, finding people that I want to work with, I think is, I'll have to like remember that. Finding people I want to work with. Because that's that's different. There's getting yourself out there is a lot like fishing. You kind of have to go to the pond or the river or the ocean. You have to be there and you have to have a fishing pole and you need to have a hook. Now, if you throw that into the water, you're probably not going to get anything unless you put the right bait on it, which means you need to learn your environment that you're in. If you're in a... a you know, a trout filled stream, make sure that you have the right bait for them. If you're in the ocean, well, you don't want to bring earthworms because I'm pretty sure they're going to eat something else like tiny fish. So it's kind of providing going in and being prolific with what 
you want to get out of it, like you have to just constantly, constantly just get yourself out there all the time. Um, and that's if you're like just pushing yourself and you want to see what kind of comes back. Cause you never know. Uh, I've, I've had people who have seen my stuff on Instagram and they've asked if I could draw porn. I've had people who asked for very specific character art and, you know, a lot of the things that I do is fantasy and I'll get sci-fi. I'll get, um, like more cyberpunk kind of like realism. It's kind of all over the place. So which is exciting and fun. Uh, as far as like getting the clients you want, there's definitely a lot of work that needs to go into it. And uh, I think also just a little bit of understanding of sort of where you are in your work. The idea of like going into, you know, I'm sure we all have our reference folders. Like I have, I have a pack that's just full of all the different artists that I love and have they've inspired me like Todd Lockwood, Chris Ron, uh, Tyler Jacobson, um, Tom Babby, uh, you know, Mike Mignola. This is just like a whole slew of different inspirational pieces and looking at like the work that they've done or the companies that they've worked for, trying to replicate them to get those same jobs isn't always the right answer. And it's a hard pill to swallow because if you're going to be working on something that isn't, it's like working like with pencil, working with tone are two different things. Like if you're working with line and like the contours of things versus tonal values, you have to reshift your brain and relearn how to do one or the other. Some, some might come easier to each individual person. So if you're not working off of your own strengths too, then it's going to take twice as long to get to that, that client that you want. So research being, you know, putting your work out there, submitting it to those bigger clients, trying is definitely number one, like going to the ocean, but also being consciously aware of your own skill set and the things that kind of match or go with your voice and being okay to say, well, you know, I'm trying to think off something off the top of my head. Like I've been pushing off like, Hearthstone, even though I know I have very colorful acrylic paintings, with fear of being uh, dismissed or ghosted in some way. But I also know that that might be a good place to go versus um, working for like Guild Wars, which have a very concept art kind of style, very loose. And it's like, I, I know I can't do that. I love it. It looks pretty, but that's not something I can do. And you don't have to do it all. Um, yeah. that's, that can be a tough one though, because <laughs> you just do, you know, oh, I love this and I love this and I love this and I love that. You want to do I, it all. You want to do everything. everywhere. You, you, uh, you mentioned Instagram, uh, and social media. It, I mean, it, it's a topic that gets done to death, but it's all, but it's, it's in, what am I trying to say? As much as it gets talked about, it also seems sometimes that we're just we're always talking about the wrong thing um how much of your work comes from social media now do you have a sense of that uh well i haven't been posting the social media for like the past month or so just because i've been worrying about you know moving and eating food and scheduling everything else but 
Reddit's been really good to me in the past. I haven't posted as much to Reddit, but having, again, just kind of going into the right pond and knowing that there's a ton of fish in there and just trying, you know, occasionally I get some pretty good hits out of it, but it's, it's strange. It's always a gamble. And I've had discussions with Moose about this as far as like work. If I, you know, put a sketch out there, the entire world can go mad for it. But if I put a finished piece out there, then it's like five likes. Okay, I just spent 60 hours on this, and I love it, so go screw. <laughs> but So there's a couple things I want to touch on there. Uh, uh-huh. First, the um, different, different types of social media. I'm not sure if we covered this on the podcast or not, because you know, all this stuff runs together for me, mm. wh- wh- whoever I'm talking to, whether it's on the podcast or if it's <laughs> an individual person. And second, uh, the sketch versus final. All right, so... There are two different types of social media. There's the you go to the people and the people come to you. With Reddit, Facebook groups, and I'm probably forgetting some other ones off the top of my head, but those are where the people already are, and all you have to do is go there and post stuff, and they will see it because they're already there. Um, As opposed to like Instagram and Twitter and things along those lines where you have to build up your following number for people to see your work. And that's a lot harder to do, and it's not always fruit- fruitful. So people are just say, quote-unquote, social media, and they lump the two together right. as if they need to have both. They don't. You can use Reddit or Facebook groups to go to the people, and you can have zero following and still get people to commission you for 1000 to $2,000 if you have the skill set to pull it off and they want the stuff, right? Um also posting to Pinterest. And I know not a lot of people like talking about Pinterest, but if Google is going to use Pinterest for showing pictures, you might want to have some of your stuff on Pinterest. That's a yeah. very good point. I, as an experiment, uh, without their permission, uh, took some of Joby's work and some of Steve Sketches' work and made Pinterest boards out of them. Nothing but their work from uh, posts from Reddit and saw like what kind of uh, organic growth or exposure that would have. Some of them got thousands upon thousands of views months after i posted them yeah there's so it works and like connecting it see if you already posted on like reddit right or in a in an area that everyone is already there and you just post to it and people see it those are probably like the the more successful ones because then you can just take that post and you can push it to your pinterest and you can save it so now you can just watch as people just flood in and they you know look at the rest of the stuff that you've done because it just all lines up and it all pushes towards it, itself. Right. And if you're the one that pins the uh, link to that post on Reddit, whether it's successful or not, doesn't matter too much because it you will also be you posting your uh, contact info there. Yes. If it's somebody else pinning it, then they might be pinning it to, from something they uploaded or something other, some other small site that, you know, doesn't have that information that, and maybe they even cropped out your signature. But, uh, so when it's you controlling it, then you can control the flow and help them get to you. Uh, yeah, I want to hang on this Pinterest thing a little bit more because it, it isn't something that that gets talked about as much in the social media conversation. And you just said that people don't like to talk about it. I feel well, like not a lot of people do. I don't know. Like whenever Pinterest comes up, it always feels like, oh, Google, Google and Pinterest are working together. It's some weird conspiracy. No one likes it, but... My experience has been good. No, I was going to say, if Google's just using Pinterest as a way to show images, then why not use it? It's already happening. What were you going to say, Moose? 
my experience has been that people just forget Pinterest exists if they're not constantly using it. That's fair. It's definitely that, one of those things you have to be very conscious of because it just it it's just there. Yeah, and it's I don't I'm I have this like weird thing with Pinterest where <laughs> this is going to sound so dumb because like there's there's this lame part of me that's like don't talk about it, don't let the secret out. <laughs> because there I I I've put minimal effort into Pinterest like very and 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 what I have done with it is wrong. Like from everything that I've heard about subsequently from people that are doing things correctly, I've done it completely wrong, and I've done very little of it. And it has it, it's not huge, but it has resulted in traffic. I get I would say that I get as as much like response like back to my website. I don't know if I've gotten like a straight up like commission yet from Pinterest or that I could attribute directly to Pinterest, but I'm getting traffic as like a source from Pinterest, at least as much as I am like, uh, Instagram, uh, or, you know, less cause I'm on Twitter more, you know? So, yeah. but anyway, uh, yeah. So it's like, Oh, what if I was doing this right? <laughs> what if I was actually like really putting some oomph into this and some juice, uh, and I was making everything kind of like flow correctly. Uh, what, it, how, what, what do you do? What's your approach with, with Pinterest? Do you have any kind of particular, uh, process that you think is working good? Uh, I've done a, let me just like pop it up while I'm talking and thinking, cause I've done a little bit of experimenting and there's two things that I did and one works and one doesn't. I just want to make sure I'm not saying the wrong one. Because you can get analytics now too, like yeah, you, you can yeah, that's for free. available yeah. for like the business tool. It's it's a great way to see exactly where things are moving, and um, you know it. You can do marketing and promotional stuff just like Facebook and Instagram too, if you really wanted to. But I haven't tested that out. My uh, analytics tool is actually broken now, so it doesn't actually wow. show me the uh, tracking. I can look at the, it, the individual posts and it'll show me the numbers, but if I try to go to like the summary tab. It will uh, call it blank. Like you've had no exposure, even though it's been thousands. So, That's yeah. So and the promotion thing is is kind of interesting because it's not very expensive. Um, I promoted one image. And I think I, I I dropped like like I don't want to misquote myself. It was somewhere between ten and thirty because one part of my brain wants to say ten, one the other part wants to say thirty. It was somewhere in there, but it was thousands of views thousands like way more than what like instagram is going to get and there was a response there was like a you it shows you the little like off traffic thing and it's like people are using it way more than they do when you give instagram 30 dollars. yeah that's cool that's good to know uh um, the other thing in pinterest is good for is lists people like to see like um inktober or uh, mermaid or unicorn, like those types of things, you can get a lot of traction if you're creating lists that sort of also advertise what you do. Um, like I have one in here that has been pinned 141 times, but I'm looking at the number of how many times it's been seen, and it's at 18.9 thousand, and I did not realize that. Like, that's a lot of people. But you were saying there's two different things that you were yeah. doing. So um, a lot of times, what I usually do is. I go and I'll grab the original image somewhere else like ArtStation or Reddit and I will pin it to Pinterest. 
And um, the reason why I say there's two different things, well, it's kind of like three. One of them will be like the actual name of the artwork that's there that automatically ties into it. And sometimes I'll do additional hashtags in the name just to get like traction, to get um, some sort of interest. And I think that's the one that doesn't work as well. Because most of the time it's just having like your hashtags like underneath and like the description or just like names and words, something that like relates back to it, it'll be fine. As long as it's not in the title, I think a lot of people actually like to look at like information and not feel like they're just being thrown an ad or that it's pushed from some other location. So yeah, so always have, like if you're like, I'm looking at this little goblin creature, her name is Newt. Um, new in being goblin warlock and her closet familiar that's the title um, whereas i have like a couple other characters that are still from another site like artstation or reddit and it'll be like the name of like the character mixed with like hashtag dnd hashtag pathfinder hashtag dragonborn and they don't do as well so it's like about interesting presentation and making it look nice too uh, real quick, you can also throw in um, into the image itself, instead of putting in your signature, or in addition to your signature, you can put in like your uh, Twitch URL or your website address at the very bottom. Mm -hmm. So that way, if, if uh, someone finds it, they don't have to find out what your signature is. Who Whose signature is this? I've had to do that with like Dungeons & Dragons artists, where someone was like, I love this freaking artist. Who did this? And with, there has to be like five or ten people working on the uh, the hunt to find out who the artist is. And this is an unofficial D&D book. So just if you're not world famous, if you're not uh, already something that people can recognize your signature, then you want to make sure that your signature also has your, uh, some kind of URL for people to go after because they can mm -hmm. type. Try to make the URL short, though. Yeah, that, that starts going into like the, the psychology of just like the human interaction and user interface and stuff. Um, people are lazy. Don't forget. Make it easy. Speaking of uh, people are lazy, sketches. So sketches versus a uh, final product. Yeah. Uh, We've had this conversation before totally, and I hate it every time. <laughs> it's great that people like your sketches. It means you're doing something amazing at first. It means people can imagine to themselves what this thing will look like when it's finished. And they're like, wow, I did a lot of work finishing that. I deserve a cookie or I deserve ice cream or I deserve to click like. I made this, right? So they love it because they can see them see themselves putting some work in to complete like what their favorite colors are, what their favorite color scheme is. And so it's partly theirs. And then when you finish it, you, you're making decisions and then they're judging those decisions. Oh, you made the grass green, green instead of a more yellow pale color. I would have liked to go with a yellow pale and have a purple color to pop on the character. You know, that's how I would have done it. So then they're judging you. Or, man, the shading wasn't quite right on that. Something looks weird. I think your light source was inconsistent when you were rendering it. You know, so where's the light source or whatever? Um, it hurts me every time you say it because it's so <laughs> it's so true. You're very right. It's just like ugh. people like to project, yeah, and have so some sort of ownership. It, right, and if you're doing this well. You can go ahead and take advantage of that. You can send out your sketches. If people like your sketches, post more of them, not less. Don't be like, oh, I'm going to hide my like my sketches because I, I want my my final pieces to get picked more likes than my, uh, than my, than my sketches. And my sketches get more likes than my final pictures, and I feel bad about myself. <laughs> you don't it's do a, that. 
the perfect interpret or impression of a, a, a troll under my under my bed that yeah. is saying these exact same. Is it you? Or do you hide under my bed and say these things to me? Uh, no, I'm not like, not like, like that kind of troll. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you have a skill set that people enjoy. You know, shout that from the rooftops. Make sure everybody sees your sketches, and then if maybe they want to buy a sketch from you, and then instead of them uh, only being charged one hundred dollars. Uh, you can go ahead and up that to $200 because you know they like it. Moose coming in with the truth. Hard truth. As I'm looking back at the boxes full of just like sketchbooks, I'm like, I can't rip those out and sell those. They're just, they're there. Yeah. Well, um, and, and, yeah. and also sketches. <laughs> so there's a question uh, for you, Ali. Liad mm -hmm. wanted to know, uh, what social media platform has been the most beneficial for your growth, including YouTube? Twitch? Like, I, I, hands down, I will always say that without Twitch, I don't think I'd be working right now. I, I probably would have gone back to just doing graphic design because it's safe. There's so many, like, even YouTube, the fact that this is happening is still blowing my mind. Um, but like, there's so many supportive individuals who, and you're all unicorns, basically. You're just magical unicorns. I don't know where you came from, but you're here. And this is great. So not even just like, like critique is available. People are willing to help you out. Um, you know, just having like, if it's event day, people are usually really cool about it. And it's like, all right, cool. Uh, or advice, friends, competition healthy competition so, you know you're watching like steve sketches go and he's just doodling away and you're like oh, i should be streaming today i should be doodling um yeah i would say definitely twitch because without twitch i don't i don't know what i would be doing very quickly what is your stream schedule i stream monday through thursday from 1 to 5 p.m mondays are a quiet day where i just kind of chill out and do whatever i want but uh the other Tuesday's a studio day, Wednesday's workshop Wednesday, and then Thursday's another studio day. So it shifts every now and then though, because there's there's bad brain weeks and there's good brain weeks. So I wanted to throw this out there. Um, okay. We're right now talking about highly skilled artists who have been doing this for, for a number of years and know that they can get clients that are paying well. And when there are people that don't know that they can get those high paying clients, they generally, I think they generally fall into two camps. One is people that have the skill, but don't have the confidence and two, people that have the confidence but don't have the skill. Mm. So what would you say to each camp? Like, what advice would you give them? Like, uh, to people that don't have the skill level necessary to get, let's start with that, with those people, the people that are selling $5 commissions because they think that's all their skill warrants, and they happen to be right. Like, maybe they just started, they just got out of high school, right? But they mm -hmm. want to make a living out of this. What would your advice be to uh, that tier of artists be? I guess for someone who's just starting out, my big thing is just being conscious that you're going to get better and you're going to take longer and you're growing your skill set. So you should be properly um, compensated for the time that you're putting into your work. So, because I started off like with $40 drawings of characters when I was jumping into freelance and I've bumped up my prices quite a bit from there. The same tier level of like a flat color is now what do i have it at flat as big as at 250 
Era un que más. So if you're starting off and you're starting to learn and you don't have the confidence, then always check in with friends and kind of like just remember that you are putting time and you're investing in yourself and you are worth it. As long as you just, you know, you just got to pay attention because it's okay. Like I knew I wasn't super good when I first started off and I was like, all right, well, this is a good compensation for that skill level and how much time I'm putting into it. Um, and as I continue to grow and get better, there were days where either, you know, I've had people be like, wow, you charge very little. And I go, oh, whoa. The fact that someone can tell you that, you know, that you're charging very little. Um, or I, you know, there's moments where I'm just like, this takes too long. I need to charge more. One or the other. Um, so I'm going to throw out there that people that are in this first group uh, that don't have the skill level, they would be better off not trying to find clients at this point that they would be better off working on the fundamentals and oh, yeah. grinding out that so that they can then later pay, charge hundreds of dollars for their work rather than trying to find clients now for five to $10. Yeah. That first year for when I was doing freelance, it was mostly just me getting used to Twitch, relearning everything. And then occasionally there would be people who would ask me for commissions, but I don't think I was hunting for them. It was just, if someone had asked, I would, it, kind of like a challenge or a prompt, like an assignment at school, be like, all right, let's, let's give this a go because you still need to sort of like kind of test out the business waters as well and figure out where that is. But yeah, the first year was mostly just work. You got to put the work into it. And then secondly, for the people that are in the other camp where they have the skill level, but they're not either not finding the clients or don't think they can find the clients. Um, what suggestions do you have for those people? You have the skill level, then you just got to be prolific and get yourself out there. If you can, so this is something that I do for my partner because a lot of times he has that situation where he might feel like his work isn't um, good enough for other people, but he's got the skill level for it for maybe a niche group, but it's there. I like to think of it as the, the Ellie and Frazetta situation. If those of you who do not know about uh, Frank Frazetta and Ellie Frazetta, Ellie Frazetta was the one that got him out there into the world. That man used to trade cameras for artwork as compensation. Yes, cameras were very expensive, but uh, there's thousands of illustrations, sketches, drawings, watercolors that are lost to kind of like the artist black market or just in private collections that no one even knows about because of that relationship. Ellie Frazetta was the one who would kind of like she was the backbone of the relationship to his artwork and getting him out there and being that person that he needed because i think because i mean i'm just talking out of like what i've learned and what i've heard about him of course you never know um what might be going through a person's mind and like in their own relationship with their work but he just loved to work from what i understood he just loved art and it was his passion that's the that's the state of mind that you you kind of just wished that you could be in, right? Where you're just all you really care about is the work, and you don't like you don't even have the presence of mind to to think about anything else until somebody comes along and is just like, well, hey, why don't you do this? And then you're just like, well, all right, whatever, man. And then suddenly you're fucking famous. <laughs> yeah, and 
And so it's sort of the same idea of like, we all wear many hats. So you kind of have to do that for yourself. You have to just be able to separate you from your work 100%. And you have to either have an Ellie for your Frazetta or you need to be your own Ellie for your Frazetta. So you mentioned kind of playing that role for your partner. Uh, Do you find yourself having to play that role for uh, for students as well. You, you you talked a little bit about a lot of your students having been kind of like younger in the past, but do mm-hmm. you uh, do you mentor people that are you know a little bit older or maybe like in the earlier parts of a career? And does this does this topic come up um, in the, in those situations? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Um, I've taught teens as well, but a lot of that was more for it was teaching like at a nonprofit for about a year. Um, so that's more of just like an explorative getting people comfortable with trying new things and sort of getting out there and, and instead of just following that rigid structure that I put myself in. Um, but I do have a few mentees that I've worked with over the past, I want to say year, year and a half, a couple of different people and everything's a little bit different. Like everyone has their own path and their own goal, but there's definitely like a, a critique sandwich of the good fluff that's happening, the hearty meat structure that that you need to work on to like be healthy and give yourself energy. Another little fluff kind of end cap to be like, this is all that's working. Um, and a lot of times like getting out there and promoting stuff is a big thing for a few of them. A lot of people just, depending on why you're reaching out, a lot of them just want to get better at doing the work for themselves. They don't care about who's seeing it or whatever, as long as they feel good, which is fun. But yeah. Uh, real quick, I want to jump in and uh, say for people that don't know where to post or where to um, advertise their stuff, there is an easy solution. Unfortunately, it's also very specific. So oh, I thought you were going to say everywhere because that's what I did. Well, everywhere is one way. Uh, the other way is find somebody that's doing what you want to do and they're doing it successfully and ask them. Because yep. if they say... Oh, I'm posting this Facebook group. It happens to be that they're uh, giving out thousands of dollars per painting there. That's the place you want to be posting. Maybe the places are slash art, and you have to do some kind of marketing there where you have where you have to have a, a pretty girl sit next to your painting so that people think, oh, this this model painted this picture, this painting, and you just keep hiring her back to, to pose next to the painting and say, this is what Reddit wants. They want paintings of cars that were painted by a, a, an attractive woman. Maybe that's what he had to do. That is something that exists on Facebook, you know, on, on Reddit, which is why I bring it up. But anyway. Thank you for reminding me, by the way, I have to do that. There was a, a, a something where they took the same picture and they posted some places with with the person posing next to it and without the post, person, person posing next to it. That's a fun tongue twister. Um, and... Uh, the pictures with the um, attractive young woman posing next to it did substantially better. Got more exposure, got more responses than just the painting itself. So it's presentation, whether it's with an attractive young woman or I don't know, uh, uh, whatever it is that's re- relative to things. If you wanted to address Grass, nature, sure. you can have your own setup. Yeah, it could be, you know, just raw wood floors that look really, really nice. You know, yeah, you have to find like your specific thing like almost like branding so ali what you can do is you can get one of those uh t-rex suits 
and then stand next to it and be like, this is, she's laughing hysterically for those who can't see the <laughs> video. So it's Ali has this, uh, 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 fan fandom of uh, uh, dragons and scaly bits. You can call me a scaly. People people have threatened that I'm a scaly. Just like things with claws and horns and wings. Uh, yeah, but I don't think be, it's to that extreme where it's you fair. push yourself as that. So, um, but you uh, you do have that sort of thing. So if you want to put that as some of your branding, then and people know that you're a little bit of a character because you do like to have fun, and it's not all super serious. You know, murdery hobo things um <laughs> you can always murder hobo like as a dnd thing yeah <laughs> yeah it's a dnd thing yeah because I'm, I'm a super nerd and i play murder hobos i feel so called out well can i, I mean, can, I, I can i can i sorry can i be the can i be the crotchety old man for a second here um yeah the advice of uh finding somebody who's doing what you like or what you want to be doing and replicating their model gives me a little bit of pause because I, I feel like we've also just just asking them where they're posting it. We're not saying you have to post exactly like they do. Oh, okay, right. It's right. just mm. I'm posting this uh, D and D Facebook art group. They pay like crap, but there's a lot of people there, and occasionally somebody will post. Oh, pay well, right? Yeah. Even even still, I I, I think it might be worth a because. If somebody did that and and they got it, you know that that information, that it might be tempting to think, okay, well, I can just do the like the same thing or or whatever. I the thing to a thing to keep in mind is that what has worked for somebody else might not work for you. So even if you get yeah. advice from somebody, it's like, well, you there's always contextual uh, information there that is going to be left out or it, it, that can't be like the end of the story i think in in a, in a lot of cases yeah, don't just stick with one person right right yeah you yeah, want to yeah. be getting advice from multiple people and see where the overlaps are and then if there yes. are outs uh if there's uh outliers then figure out what makes those outliers work for that person it's the same thing with critique on just a piece if you think about it it's like the idea of bringing your image and giving it to a, a group of people. And if they're all starting to say the same thing, then maybe you need to fix that one thing they keep talking about. Yeah. But they might have different opinions and different thoughts on what needs to be changed for like the rest of the image. But if you can catch those overlaps, yeah. Going back to the mentoring thing, uh, you know, when we're talking about giving people nudges out the door or trying to, you know, keep them reined in a little bit, wait, which mm -hmm. one, which one do you find that you encounter more often you know or is there one mentality that you think comes up more like where people are like a little bit too anxious to get out there and oh god i gotta get commissions i oh, gotta yeah. get get work or is it is, is that more common than like no i have to hide and no one will ever see my work which one of those i think the one of the consistent things that i definitely find with uh mentorships is that there's a lot of uh mental barriers that sort of are placed within front of themselves that get in the way. So they might not be real, but they're very real within their own minds and, and sort of like the same thing as like anxiety. Um, the idea that there is no tiger in the room, but your body is telling you there's a tiger in the room and you need a fight or flight right now. Uh, so that is probably the most common thing that I find. So it's more of like not wanting to get out there because of those fears. Uh, and a lot of times it's building up the the encouragement 
of um, self-esteem, confidence, and helping one person recognize why things are happening. It's it's so strange because a lot of mentoring isn't just about the art and the technique. It's a lot about the relationship with oneself to the work that they're creating and kind of bridging those gaps and also a little bit of like, you know, telling them that social media is, it sucks and you just gotta, you gotta get out there. So I would say that's the big one. It's, every person's got their own, you know, we all have our own baggage and different things that kind of hold us back. But having somebody to help you think outside the box, having someone there who um, maybe, you know, because you can never completely understand another individual, like, wholly, because you, you don't sit in their shoes, but having someone to help you walk through the process of maybe how to traverse those those areas can move you in the right direction to at least being comfortable or finding areas that, um, like finding the right way to move, to make it work for you. Because yeah, everyone's different. So one of the common pitfalls that makes people think social media sucks is people responding to your work. And maybe not in the most uh, enjoyable manner, whether it's you know saying that uh, this character looks like they're from League of Legends, because all characters look like they're from League of Legends, because League mm. of Legends has every character, or giving uh, unsolicited critique. How do you suggest that uh, people respond to such responses on respond to responses on uh, social media? I want to say like um, all news is good news in a way, but that's more of like an algorithm sort of system. Like the idea of someone's responding to be like, "Oh, you did this wrong," or "This looks like this." They're still commenting on your your image, and it's still going to give it traction which is going to cause the algorithm to push it forward so that more people see it. So it's kind of a, a weird double-edged sword. Like you don't need to listen to it. You could ignore it completely, but who does? That's the, <laughs> we, we sit here and we, we look at our phones and we try to scroll past it and we're just stuck on it going, oh, shit, they're right. But I don't want to tell them that they're right because then they win and it's a whole different thing. You just try to scroll past it, but you don't forget it. You remember it's there. Um, uh, it's, I guess a good way is to post it and try to forget about it is a method that I've heard from a lot of people because it's yours and you're the one that should be proud of your own work. You know, no matter if it's good or bad right now, you're going to look on that later on and you're going to remember how you felt or you're going to remember what inspired you or um, the frustrations of that piece. And it's just going to be so much more later on you just got to get past the original likes and things they don't matter as much anyway do you think that mentoring others makes you a better artist uh yeah um yeah definitely it, it's it's fun to be able to it, you're, when you're in the environment and you're working with someone else you're also learning you're learning how uh how one may navigate uh, a problem or a solution and having those human contact, like in real conversations, you're always, it's, it's a weird cycle of just learning from each other. But I guess it also depends on, 
you know, what environment you're in. I'm, I've been in situations where I've been in classrooms where the teacher thinks that they know absolutely everything. So you don't have that, but I don't know. I, I can't, I literally cannot tell you I've had one mentee that I have not learned something from, and it could be anything, um, different culture, different, uh, point of view, uh, vocabulary words. So I'm always constantly learning and shifting and trying to also get better to help them get past whatever obstacles they may be dealing with as well. So it means I have to go do research and I have to go and figure things out or sit down and think. There's a difference between knowing something well enough to do some, do it and knowing something well enough to explain it to somebody else so that they can do it. Mm -hmm. so, so when you get to the latter part, that means that it should be second nature for you at that point. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just also being honest in a situation that you don't know the answer, don't try to give an answer. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a big thing. Like it's almost like a common sense thing. Like you shouldn't try to bullshit anybody or try to make yourself feel uh, like on, on a pedestal or a horse. No, no it's it, there's two human beings in the mentee mentorship relationship, whether or not it's a, a room with 20 people or a one-on-one -on -one scenario. Just don't, don't bullshit anybody. If you don't know the answer, just be honest with yourself and be honest with who you're working with because it's going to make it going to make you more human, more humble. Um, and also not everybody knows the answers to everything. Sometimes you got to go learn. You got to go do research. You can also avoid saying the words, I don't know, and re replace them with, I'll look into that. And exactly. Like, oh, so. Yeah. Um, or that's interesting. Let me dig into that more. Yeah. Or let us look into that more because mm -hmm. I like that idea of like collaboration, you know, uh, and uh, mutual interest for, for mutual benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause then it, it's a, it's like a group project and you hope that everybody comes back a little bit of something and it's something different that you can learn from. Yeah. Place to kind of get them or keep them excited too. Cause you know, it's, I, I feel like the, the last Thing that you want to be doing when you're in the role of a teacher or a mentor is like this top down like i have the answers and i am going to bequeath them on you and <laughs> you will be so thankful <laughs> even that kind of relationship feels so boring and i'm sure to some people it's a huge turn on but probably yeah that you know they want to learn just get that information right away and it's perfect for them but i don't know i've always been the kind of person that needs to explore and to discover and to oh i meant for the mentor oh, <laughs> for the, the mentor oh, okay. <laughs> just oh. like ego gratification yeah yeah and if it's an ego gratification i don't know that you shouldn't be teaching <laughs> is my opinion to some degree like if you're there for yourself to feel better Maybe just see a therapist because that could help more. Your students are paying for your time. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to uh, Beth Johnson, who is uh, has been a, a teacher for a long time and is in school to become an art teacher specifically. Um, you know, and one of the things that we talked to her about was uh, the the temptation uh, that like the very real seductive power of being in a position where you're teaching somebody something. So it isn't always as overt as like, ah, I am yeah. the master and you are the student. It can be much more subtle because he, he, it's it, like you were saying before, it's this great feeling when you see someone's eyes light up or you see them really respond to a piece of information, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there lies 
the dark side because <laughs> right it's like it's so it's so great you know it's like such a you, it, it's uh it's a dopamine rush yeah know? i was about to say like, serotonin dopamine, serotonin like, right just all the good the good feels yeah so it's you you, you want to be you know aware of that and and uh and cognizant of it for sure See, the the idea that like recognizing that that exists is the first step because that is something that actually scares the crap out of me it scares me even for like streaming on twitch that some people may look at me as more than human or um higher in some way or like just not being me it's it's a strange it's something I talk about all the time with like my friends. It's like, don't, it just feels weird. Like that people sit here and they'll, they'll watch or listen to me. And some of them are like, yeah, you know, this is just a person. She's just chilling and talking about stuff and cool. That's neat. And some other people are like, wow, I can like imagine being like her or him. And it starts idle. Like there's this idolization that can happen. It's very scary. Yeah. And it, crops up in little things too like what do you refer to this group of people as you know like we don't want to say fans like i mm. mean and 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 if you do then like you said now's the time for therapy because um you know if you're streaming on twitch it's not quite fans you know and it might be so, different for different categories too well yeah if you have twenty thousand people watching you or two hundred thousand people watching you play uh whatever you know like a you're a video game streamer then fork yeah maybe for fork and knife then <laughs> then fans might be appropriate but if you're you know if it's more of like a relationship based kind of thing you know where you're you're an artist you have a community community is a great word but also you know then it's like the community my community there's like these subtle distinctions in there so i think even it seems like maybe overly pedantic but i think that it is important to think about the vocabulary that you're using because there can be subtleties yeah. to it and like what it's doing in your subconscious and the way that you think about and relate to it can be important so it's just i don't know it's a it's a uh a mindfulness exer exercise not to yeah. be like overly analytical and like oh my god my god crippling self-doubt with like what should i say <laughs> to like kind of being genuine to yourself at the same time as like yeah. what your your intentions are because i've i've um i've come across a i don't know if it was a video of someone talking about it or an article i read and it's also the idea of community being used as a marketing scheme of just creating familiarity and comfort and um the idea of using communities to uh invest time into to get gains after and when it's intended to do that it feels so rotten in like i get what you're doing but could, you could just call it a brand and these are your like customers instead we're using community as a way to bring in this warm loving cozy feeling of knowing everybody which so many people in my discord i still don't know who are in there <laughs> um but yeah that's that's a i've definitely heard that before in the past and it's it's something i'm always trying to be very aware of and mindful of because it's it's just another scary separation between yeah yeah there was a one person i'm aware of who uses their discord server as base basically a uh 
way to it's kind of like a cult in a way i guess that's a one way of putting it where they say like oh yeah we, we belong to this community and they're so helpful and i wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for them and thank god for the one above the organizer of this community server and they let us in for a thousand dollars a piece and you know what it was so worth it my dad's in an MLM and I recognize a lot of those things, which also is what scares me. Love bombing is a cult tactic and it's not good. Uh, isolation is a cult tactic and uh, dependency. Yeah. Yeah. So I generally like 99% of the time say, Hey, discord communities are a great place to do networking. You'll meet you'll meet people that turn into friends. You'll have peers that you can do critiques with. You can learn a lot about. You can share resources. That's all great stuff. But there's a big but, and that's if it starts turning into a cult, you have to run away and stay away. And <laughs> it, there is no one Discord server that's going to change your life to the point where you have to pay them for the uh, the uh, admission. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's an topic that I, I feel like we kind of we skirt in some episodes on on this podcast you know because we talk about community and building community and because this is a podcast that focuses on business and marketing it sometimes it it feels weird to be talking about developing community you know on a podcast that's geared towards uh you know making making a living earning a living building a business for yourself you know so i it's it gets a, it gets even for me. It gets a little weird sometimes. Yeah. I think it, the difference is if you're charging your community to be part of your community, that's a that's a bad sign. <laughs> that, that's weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's one thing to have yeah. like a premium membership, a premium channel for your for your uh, Patreon supporters or your Twitch subs. Right. That's one thing that's integrated. That's normal. Whatever. Most people don't even actually use their uh, premium stuff that much anyway. So it's there, but yeah, if you're not part of it, it's there for the people who just want to support you, which is, they, they still blow my mind. Like the idea that somebody's just like, I just want to give you $5 a month because I love the work you're doing and I want to see more. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Why? How am I worth that much? And it's only five bucks, but it's like, okay, you're, you're making that decision. Uh, thank you. Cause I really don't know what else to say. Well, it's about like value, right? So they believe yeah. that by giving you $5 a month, you'll continue to producing things for them that they value. If it's more like a, a, tra a transactional nature, like let's say there's some uh, YouTuber out there who provides market research and you think you can actually make money off of this advice, they can charge substantially more than $5 for access to their Discord. And that's fine because they're providing a service for that fee. Right. But with art, it's more of along the lines of, Hey, want to keep me doing this and not working at Walmart? That'd be good. Patreon, if you want. I give or out wallpapers and stuff. Please take. So speaking of these uh, mental health concepts, um, I've heard you be pretty open in this conversation and other places, um, pretty open about therapy and its benefits, the therapy that, that you've had, and just kind of talking about it in general. And so just thank you, first of all. Um, I, I think that it's always nice to highlight when that conversation is happening or highlight people that are open to having that conversation because normalizing mental health care, I think, is a, a huge thing 
that's yeah. a big thing and especially in our communities you know in the uh the the art world and twitch streamers and all of the places that you know kind of we that overlap between us and of course just in general um and without you know asking you to be too specific or you know be as specific as you want to be um what have been some of the big benefits for you i mean the big benefits of so i i only did a, a short thing of, of therapy i think it was like six months um and that's the cool thing of going to a therapist that's good for you and, and knows how to do their job they also don't want you to stay like how you should go to a doctor to get you know your arm fixed it should heal and they, you don't need to keep coming back to get your arm fixed <laughs> um so i wasn't quite sure how therapy would work with me because of being a kid I, I think i did uh child therapy during my parents when they were getting divorced and i just remember being like completely against it i wouldn't talk about anything i was like just fighting the whole process tooth and nail um but this was more of like i know something's off and i need to figure out why it's bothering me so i needed to talk to literally professional. I was just like, all right, I'm going to have someone dig into my brain. Um, and they're like, well, we're not going to dig into your brain because you're not a problem. You're a person. I was like, <gasps> my brain was already blowing up on the first day. So that was great. Um, but a lot of the, the therapy that I ended up talking about was definitely kind of like helping me through just old child childhood traumas, uh, understanding my relationship with my finances and that whole survival mechanic that I had uh, like developed over time and just coming to terms with it's okay to not know what you're doing, that adulting is hard, that it is all right to make mistakes as long as you, you know, if it's, if it's something that may uh, emotionally harm another individual to also be okay with confronting and talking about it. Cause it's gonna suck even more if you don't. Um, but a lot of it like came down to just kind of like, just not fixing things, but just sort of recognizing like what some issues were and, the relationship with myself and then also that i need a money manager <laughs> that was the final day she was like a lot of your anxiety seems to come through with like working as an artist and money and business and bills she's like you should probably find like a money manager or something like that is there anything like that in your field and i'm like yeah i think there is all right bye i don't need you anymore because <laughs> you're right <laughs> um but yeah no it was definitely like i, I try to be a lot more of an advocate of just taking care of yourself first. Like you, you need to take care of your garden before you start trying to fix somebody else's garden. If not, you're going to grow weeds. There's going to be a ton of problems and eventually you won't be able to help anybody else unless you're okay. So that in rising tides, raise all ships. So you got to be healthy to help others. That's all. Do you think, do you think that there's something unique about artists? in terms of the type of mental health issues or concerns that come up. Um, I get, and I, I ask that mostly because it seems to come up a lot, like in the communities mm -hmm. that I'm a part of, um, that we're a part of, um, 
the the conversation comes up a lot and i wonder sometimes if that's just a function of people feeling like they're kind of like this is safe you know i can i can talk about the fact that these are issues that i have um or is there just like a a broader for whatever reason there's just sort of like a, a broader a larger propensity for people in creative endeavors to suffer creative folks are more in tuned with their emotions and because you're not like, we don't follow the, the typical standard of conventional corporate norm. Um, there's a lot of fear and anxiety that comes with that, which on top of being emotionally connected to either the work that you're doing or yourself, then it, it can compile on it like and just create a nice little perfect storm. But I don't know if there's any one reason there's, there's so many things like, uh, I've had conversations with friends about how just the idea of like what's going on within like the bigger world can have a huge effect on uh, like generational mental health and the pressures given to one generation over the other or the uh, repetition of the same sort of counteracting arguments of, oh, they did this, but we did this. And yeah, I would say just for, I mean, of course we're in like a, an area where we feel comfortable talking to each other. Um, I'm sure that's not like that with a lot of groups. And I think making it the norm is very important. Having conversations and being okay with talking and communicating is a thing that we've, I think that might be it. I think it's communication. Communication is something I don't think that we have as a, as a human species as much. I think there's a lot of different things that are either in the way, like social media or how we communicate, um, that has changed a little bit of what we need as like a just a being. So having face-to-face -face contact, ha being able to hug someone. Like I'm sure there's plenty of people right now who are just like, I just want to hug my friends. That human interaction. And there, you know, there could be a huge thing about where that comes from. Cause whenever I think about storytelling, as far as my own work or even the stories that you tell in your pieces, some of them are hero like heroes, heroic stories or um, warnings and tales of adventure or uh, threats like fairy tales. All of those have meaning. And we used to, you know, sit in front of just fires. You want to go back like way, 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 way back. We can just draw pictures on the wall and tell stories to. About 10 minutes ago, when we were drawing the walls. <laughs> yes. Um, but it's just like a, a different form of communication that I don't think we practice as much. So it's a, a little bit, a little bit of something is lost. I don't know what it is, but a little bit of something feels like it's, not used and it wants to come out we don't know how to like pull it out anymore but it's there attached to emotions so it's usually raw and like not violent in a bad way but just like just out <laughs> my uh, thought has always been and i'm just projecting here uh that it's the artist creating something and then when that thing is judged it feels like they are being judged not the not the work them 
So I experience this personally when I recommend music to people, or if I'm in a stream and I have music up and people come listening to it and they're judging the music I like. And I'm like, it feels bad if they dislike it. I don't know why I didn't make the music, but because I enjoy it and them judging it negatively makes me feel bad about myself somehow. So I'm, pro I'm projecting this onto artists to, you know, to a much more nth degree that when they are the ones that make the thing and then people judge it, they feel bad about it. Might come into some sort of psych psychological connection between community and social interactions. If you think about the way the human species has survived, a lot of times it's by being in groups, by having some sort of um, stable connection to, or not, not like a, like a biome or trying to think of another word for just like a thriving environment. No, not like a community. I was thinking more of like. You're talking about like a region type of thing. Like when you put, you know, plants and frogs into a little pond and they ecosystem. all work. Ecosystem. That's the word. <laughs> yeah. An ecosystem. Um, and because of that, like that is an old thing. Like group survival has, has been a thing for a long, long time. Um, and even in stories where you hear about uh, the one person who's able to do it on their own, they're like shunned. They're like, how dare you? How dare you be a strong, independent woman living in the middle of the woods, eating mushrooms and foraging in the winter and we're all starving. <laughs> I think that was Bloody Mary, right? Yeah. That's I just remember some witch. <laughs> It's interesting that thing about music, because then I started thinking about which would bum me out more, like somebody criticizing my taste in music or somebody criticizing my art. <laughs> one, one I have control over, I guess, in the sense of like, well, I like this music or I don't like this music, but like Moose said, I didn't make the music, so mm -hmm. what are you really saying? But still, that somehow affects me. But then like, here's this thing that I invested my heart and soul into and I'm trying to give it to you and then you don't like it. It seems like that would, that that's an easy one. Like that would definitely offend me more. But I don't know. Like, <laughs> what? You don't like the fucking black keys? How dare you? Nope. Uh, was it ProZD who did a little <laughs> skit online? And it's like, oh, I, I like this thing on the internet. It's pretty good. And the person on the other side hearing this from like this imaginary VTuber, like, what? I don't, I don't like that thing. I don't, like, I don't like that thing. I don't like that thing at all. And it's like, oh, but I like this thing. Or I don't like this thing. I like that thing. It's like, okay. Very accurate uh, representation of the internet right there. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of like things that I think are very ingrained in people, whether or not we choose to recognize them or we do recognize them, that tend to have a lot more strength. and maybe not like influence yeah kind of like influence our decision making um but not on a conscious level yeah this is one of the problems that i have with like critics not crit not critique but like this like the world of critics and reviews mm -hmm. and things like that it's like this is someone that has somehow earned or been given or manipulated their way into a position of influence over our like collective opinion you know that that evolutionary thing that you were talking about in group preference well now here's somebody that somehow has the ability to influence 
in group preference. And that just feels really weird, you know, like what? And on the one hand though, like there could be good information, like, okay, you're making some interesting points, but man, I don't like now put that and put that into the concept of higher education and then into the industry mm-hmm. and how that all kind of ties into itself and how people try to fit into that core root of sameness validation being uh, accepted and how that also applies to the workforce and then capitalism and how we all just put ourselves into Kenya. It's a, this is a very big cog in a machine that's very, very big and beyond us. Uh, yeah, Shane in the chat uh, may, was mentioning a good point. If one of the artist's goals is to communicate themselves with the world through art, if people don't like the art, that might be seen as a failure to communicate and lead to loneliness or isolation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it kind of goes back to something else that was said in chat earlier where imposter syndrome you know, being probably one of the larger issues that artists deal with, you know, because then you're on the other side of that where people are, oh, they're they're liking my stuff, but why are they liking? I, who am I? What am I? I'm nothing. Why do you like? <laughs> no, it's not worth liking. But anyway, um, do you have any thoughts or ideas on um, how we could advocate more for mental health or people? Um, getting mental health care for themselves without, you know, sort of turning people off or offending because there is still like this sort of like weirdness around it. Yeah, there is. And it's also weird depending on culture too. Uh, I feel like like Western culture is becoming more familiar with it and has been advocating more for a understanding of self um, compared to like more Eastern cultures. But that's also a, disparity between like how the independent survives within the um within the community so i guess the biggest thing is it's a little bit more of like a a, a not like a workshop but like a, a self exercise to like at least find one person to talk to having the ability to at least express what bothers you to one person that you are comfortable with could help because just like before the idea of communicating um like word of mouth being able to be feel heard is just as important as being able to express what's going on even if the other person doesn't understand so like a teacher or uh even a family friend who can just hear you could be a first stepping point to just being aware of what's going on in your own head because yeah if, if you go over there and you're like you need therapy no that's not gonna happen <laughs> that will never work <laughs> their uh defensive mechanisms will definitely jump in before any sort of radical thought of yeah i should do that maybe there is something good out of it but other than that it's it's hard to it's just being open being aware and being conscious and understanding from one side and then also from the other side, being able to communicate. It's also expensive. Uh, professional mental health, I mean. It's, uh, what, what you're talking about feels like a really um, important part of the process. 
in not not in lieu of or to replace professional help necessarily but uh you know it that it's not necessarily a resource that's going to be available to everybody uh freelance artists are also not you know generally known as making for making shitloads of money yeah, if you start or, talking or, about like healthcare, then it's like, yeah, that's a different right. Yeah, yeah, having good healthcare plans. Did you? Yeah, amen. Did <laughs> you just go for it? Did you just, you know, kind of take the bullet and pay for it out of pocket, or did you? How did you go about that? I did research first to see what was available on my health insurance. Um, mm-hmm. In the state of Rhode Island, if you're making under a certain amount, you can be a part of Medicaid, which is kind of like a universal healthcare. Um, you don't get a lot of big benefits from it, but one of the options underneath the the Medicaid that I was under did say like it did have therapy. I just, there's a lot of like steps you have to go through. You have to get approval from like your general practitioner that basically says that, you know, this would be necessary or needed before you even go and look for one. Um, and then finding the, the right healthcare system or the therapist that will take the healthcare system you have. So it's a bit back and forth. So it's one of those things where if you really want it, you can make it happen. Um, and there's also, there's a couple of other options too that are online right now as far as, um, oh, I forget what it's called. They promote it on a podcast that I listen to all the time. It's not a self-help like system and I forget what it's called. It's just therapy that's online and you can actually like talk to someone and they take healthcare better help yes so that's the one i've heard of i i haven't tried it i i was one of those folks who before the pandemic i was able to sit down and talk with a person in the middle of like a big comfy couch and just feel weird because you're sitting in someone's room a uh, quick aside for that um i have a friend who wanted to use better help but they had previously like the last 20 years had self-harm thoughts. And one of the questions on the questionnaire is, have you ever uh, considered self-harm? And when, if you ever check yes to that box, they will not see you on BetterHelp. So. But also kind just, of sad. I'm not telling you what, yeah, I'm not telling you advice on it one way or another. I'm just putting that out there in case anybody needs to know that and they're seeking help on BetterHelp. That's so stupid. Why? Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, a liability. Um, yeah, it's a liability thing. It kind of sounds like it, it's the same thing for like um, like American healthcare systems. Like if you have a previous um, or prior health condition. condition, yeah, a pre-existing condition. So it's the idea like you're gonna have higher uh, expenses now because you have a pre-existing condition, even though it's like oh you have PCOS. What's that? Oh, it's like a hormone thing. Don't worry about it. This is bad cramps. Who hasn't thought of self harm though? I understand there's a spectrum. There's a long way to go from like a minor passing thought to like, I'm contemplating suicide, mm-hmm. but come on, like that's a huge, that's a big spectrum. Yeah. People, and like, be, simplifying it into a simple checkbox is not, that's r- not good. Right. That's yeah. Literally just them. That's a company defending or protecting themselves immediately. But that also means it's removing that person from getting help. <laughs> the advice here then is just lie. <laughs> If, right. you, if you're looking into better help, just just lie when it comes to this that. This isn't uh, official advice. No, but yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not lawyers. <laughs> for entertainment purposes only. I am <laughs> allegedly. Ale- I heard from somebody that you should lie. I'm not telling you that. Yes. Um, well, we are coming into a wrap up. 
unless moose did you have any follow-up questions on anything that we've talked sure. about so well, far this isn't really a question um i just want to let everybody know that i'm pretty much retiring from the help from learning about the art community and uh studying it it's it's been exhausting it's been exhausting for years i have not gone into i haven't gotten as much information out of fine art as i would have liked because a lot of my friends are fine artists and i would love to be able to help them but i have no spencer and uh, liad had a whole lot more information on that than i would ever ever be able to uh, get so watch last week's episode for that um but as far as like uh, concept art or il fantasy illustrations like that i put together two giant threads on twitter we can probably link to those in the show notes um that encompasses about 90 percent of what i've learned and the remaining 10 percent is so niche that it might have also just not been relevant anymore so i'm feeling like i've done just about everything i can for the community and uh when i try to learn more i end up finding out that i've already learned this before so Check those threads. It'll have 90% of what I learned. Uh, and then watch the the, re the backlog of these videos. And that'll have the rest of it. Moose is um, leading us to water. We must choose to drink now. That's basically it, right? Um, I, there's one more step after this, and that's getting like uh, clients that pay $10,000 per thing. And that's a little bit more marketing, basically. Um, either getting big enough on social media that the marketing teams want to pay you from their marketing budget, or... Uh, Big enough that you know some guy down the road says, "Hey, I have ten thousand dollars that I made from uh, Ethereum. I can go ahead and use this to buy art now." Uh, it's going to Kickstarters and finding ones that were successful, and then reaching out to those people and saying, "Hey, you made ten million dollars on Kickstarter. Do you guys need more art? These are my rates: five hundred dollars per day, a thousand dollars per day, whatever it is." That's how you get those. Are jobs. you still going to hang out with us? Oh yeah, like, you guys okay. are my friends at this point. So yeah. I have no friends that aren't artists at this point. So, yeah. I mean, I could just label myself not an artist. You can, you can have a non-artist friend. I have one non-artist friend. I play video games with them. That's it. They're like a holdover from my EverQuest days. Nice. Shane is asking, does that mean that Moose is leaving art condition? And Moose, I don't want to steal your thunder, but we have talked about that. Uh, I don't know if this future, is I don't know if this is your official announcement of of departure, but I will be leaving at some point uh, when I felt like uh, it, it's uh, I've offered all I can. If I feel like I'm repeating myself too much, which we're kind of getting there, uh, I'll bring in somebody else to replace me. Uh, replace now they'll have their own opinions, they'll have their own uh, experience, they'll have uh, their own input, and it will just be more opinions rather than just mine over and over again. Hey, it's always good to to hear from you, especially when you're just like, have you made that skill show yet? Have you done these things yet? Don't forget you should do that. I mean, you could just be a life coach. We're going to we're going to have a, a a whole podcast just talking about why Moose should um continue forever. Repeating him repeating himself. I think we found everything out that we need to know, and now we just need to do it. And some people can't do it because they have kids. Some people can't do it because they have a, a spouse that needs a, too much a, more support than uh, they can handle while they're trying to also progress their career. Some people can't do it because they have crippling self-doubt and uh, they uh, need to go to a psychiatrist to get prescribed medication so they can uh, get those devils out of their head, but they for whatever reason won't. You know, some people can do, do it and you know they're able to uh, uh, get their career going in one year. And other people, it takes 10 years. 
and there's no rhyme or reason to it. Everybody is at their different pace, and there's not one path for everybody to follow. So yeah, it's but- <laughs> Moose, the analytic right here is like, why can't it all just work the same way every time? Right. But, it, and yeah. it's, it, it's also, <laughs> it's, it's, I like how he's like, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's not enough to just be like, cool. I made the statement. Now I, now it's done. Reread it. You'll, you'll be good. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Really? It's, well, it's that simple. Just you have to do it over and over again for the next 10 years and you're, then you're good. But you understand though, that the guy that goes up and and shouts from the mountain he doesn't go up there one day and just shout what he has to say from the mountain and then goes back down to you know have dinner or whatever he lives up there dude that's why you post on social media daily but this isn't my job this was my interest right so i don't know if i ever mentioned this before but why i started hanging out with artists on twitch did i ever mention that here okay so. so 2015-ish, I was working to make video games. That's what I wanted to do, just for fun, because I have a job that pays. What can I do in my free time that's fun? I want to make video games. Why? Because I like video games. Uh, We needed an artist. I figured, hey, there's all these great artists on Twitch. They must be back from their jobs at Ubisoft, and now in their free time, they're streaming on Twitch, and they're just hanging out. Maybe some of those people want to make video games in their free time. No, it turns out that all the artists that are streaming on Twitch, not all of them, most of the artists that are streaming on Twitch are doing their day job on Twitch and they're not making very much money doing it. So, hey, how can I help these people make money so that in their free time, they can, no, this is actually the reason, but how can I help these people so that uh, they can make money and then maybe in the future be open to uh, doing a video game with me? And then... At some point around like 2017, I gave up on the idea of video games entirely because it's too much freaking work for the artists to be able to be just a part of the project and not be getting paid hourly for it. So I dropped it, and I still help helping you guys for the next four years. And I think I've learned everything there is to know about this. It's just a matter of doing it, and I can't do it for you. So, well, that is that is fair. You're you're not getting paid, um, and. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought. Yeah, I was gonna I, say thank you for all the hard work that you've done. Like s- the idea, certainly. like you've created a, a torch to be passed on now. In every, like, even though there may have been someone before you that still said the same information, the fact that you're there to continue to say it, so that other people can take it to continue to say, it, just rising tides raise all ships. So, yeah, and I'm just honestly, I, everything <laughs> I learned is from you guys, really a collective of like 10 20 50 different artists on twitch i took like nibbles from each of you put it into this giant uh, ca- uh katamari damasi ball and i'm throwing it back at you and saying learn from this this is all you need to know this is what everybody did to make money to make a career you can make a career you can do it just do it you know you know it's in do you it. yeah <laughs> So we're taking applications for a new co-host for our condition. It pays great. The benefits are fucking awesome. Maternity leave, paternity leave. Um, Paternity leave. If you get a dog, you can take a week off. You can live. Yeah. We're going to send you to Mars if you want to go. It's anything is possible here. There is no return trip, unfortunately. I I was about to mention, yeah, you might not come back, but Mars sounds nice this season. Artcondition.com. Go there and, uh, and and apply. 
<laughs> I, I hear there might even be mushrooms on on Mars. So there's might be someone to keep you company. There'll be mushrooms, but it's it's life. Oh, oh! I thought you meant like the creatures that you'll see after you eat the mushrooms. No, uh, I got nothing to add to that. No, Allie, where would you, <laughs> Allie, where would you like people to find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere at Allie Briggs Art, uh, except for my portfolio website, which is just alliebriggs.com. Um, yeah, uh, I would say I'm, I'm mostly here on Twitch, and I guess I'll occasionally talk on Twitter and Instagram, but most of the time I'll be on Twitch. I'll stream on here and then I go away and have to recharge my batteries for the next day or work on something else or some NDA things that I can't talk about. Fair enough. Well, uh, I only have one more question for you, Ali. It's our trademark wrap up question. Aside from personal projects and work and other things that you're doing professionally or art related, what is one thing that's happening in the world right now that you're excited about? This is like the one question I didn't think of when reading over all the lists. Cause I was like, nah, I can think of something right on the spot. No, I can't think of something right on the spot. I mean, I am, I don't know if I'm excited, but there's a couple of other things that are definitely happening. Like DC is looking to become a state. Uh, There have been a lot more, I don't know if like if there'd be like direct, but there's a lot more interest as far as cleaning up the planet and environmental uh, safety and precautions that have been coming to light and been made more aware, which I am excited to see. I want to see planet Earth come back and be healthy instead of us going to Mars. But, That's fair. Yeah. Otherwise, not too much besides just kind of being able to hug and see my friends and go and meet people and be able to be in groups again. These are all valid answers. You did great without thinking Thanks. about it. <laughs> Allie, thank you so, so much for being here. Uh, it's been a great conversation and I'm so happy to have heard all the things that you've had to say. Uh, and I hope that you'll be back sometime. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, hopefully I have some really cool thing I can reveal soon in the future oh hint hint nudge nudge eh, nda stuff i can't ah, anyway yeah. all right then then with that i will wave goodbye to you ali thank you again